Jesus Christ is still the King. Welcome to The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr on Iowa Catholic Radio. Every Wednesday, diving deep in the truth of the Catholic Church and restoring all things in Christ. The Uncommon Good, live from the Mercy Live Up Studio. The Uncommon Good is on the air. I'm Bo Bonner. I'm Ryan Bud Marr. We are coming to you live from the Mercy Live Up Studios here in wet and rainy Des Moines, Iowa. 11.50 a.m., 88.5 FM, 94.5 FM, iowacatholicradio.com and streaming live on the Iowa Catholic Radio app, which we have Blessman Ministries and the People Abstract Company to thank. Bud, how have you been doing today? I'm okay. It has been wet. Are you constructing your ark yet? I know. Well, I keep telling people this, that, and it, it, it means something, and I don't mean to be mean, but when everybody talks about the floods in the 90s, I didn't think they were lying, Bud, but... You know, you keep everybody's like the, the water was up to here, and you're like, oh, okay. But this spring, I totally believe everything they say about the floods now. Well, it's been pretty gentle rain. It feels like we're living in Seattle or something. But I, I just hope the farmers have time to plant their seed. Don't we need like a dry stretch? But I th- well, I don't know when exactly they have to do that up here in Oklahoma. There's plenty of dry stretches, so you just have to like eventually start spitting on the ground when the rain doesn't oh, okay. come. So in Iowa. You guys look like you're doing good. Like I said, coming to you from Mercy Live Up Studio. Uh, we're also underwritten, as always, by Mercy College of Health Sciences, where Bud and I are gainfully employed. Unfortunately for our live read today, we wanted to be able to tell you to come to uh, onto campus tomorrow, April 6th, um, for our Faith and Healing Speaker Series. Unfortunately, due to unforeseen circumstances, we have to cancel. The speaker can't make it. Pretty bummed, Bud. Yeah, that was disappointing. There's still a lot of exciting things going on campus. We do have Mass um, 4.30 p.m. on Mondays. And with Holy Week coming up, if you want to get your Holy Week started off right, 4.30 p.m. Monday on Mercy College's campus. The other thing, too, is we are trying to reschedule a speaking event for this summer, so we'll keep you posted. But just to be clear so people know, there will not be the Faith and Healing Speaker Series we've been talking about. That will not occur tomorrow, April 6th at 6. It will not happen, unfortunately. Okay. Are you going to wait outside the door and just... Right, meet, meet and greet, and I'm just going to get a big. I get a big sign with like a you know a, an X through it. Go away. <laughs> uh, we're also underwritten always by Cartridge World. Cartridge World for businesses, home offices, college students, or busy moms trying to find affordable ink and toner cartridges. Cartridge World has all that you need. Eight hundred one seventy third Street in Windsor Heights. Five one five five six four seventy four hundred for business customers. Pickup and delivery available. And Cartridge World is available to recycling and environmentally friendly printing. We need to talk to Joe about the how, the NCAA tournament and how <laughs> awful that last game was. We should probably give him go go head over there and give him some support for. KU's loss in the tourney. I know losing seven out of eight. As a Husker eight. fan, I would take you know fourteen straight conference championships or whatever they've pulled off. But I know KU fans are giving self a hard time for his performance in the Elite Eight. Yeah. Oh well. Sunrise, sunset. <laughs> uh, that's another shout out to one of our uh, regular guests on the show, Gabriel Sanchez. He's having a hard time because the Undertaker has uh, retired from WWE after like fifty years. So. It's a lot of heavy sports moments here, folks, uh, that we report on The Uncommon Good. Today, we actually have one of our friends from grad school. His name is Jared Schumacher. Jared Schumacher is over in Belgium. We're going to call him our European correspondent. He's at the University of Louvain, where he is getting a Ph.D. 
um, in church-state relationship. And uh, when we get in, he, uh, in his dissertation, one entire chapter is going to be on Catholic social teaching. So when we get back in a minute, that's what we're going to talk about. Stick around, folks. In a minute, we'll be back with The Uncommon Good. I'm Bo with Bud Marr. Thank you, People's Abstract Company, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Locally owned, statewide Abstract and People's Abstract Company provide abstracting and title services in all 99 counties in Iowa. People's Abstract is your Polk County preferred abstractor. Both statewide and People's are able to provide all of your abstracting and title servicing needs within the state of Iowa. 515-244-6119 or online at thetitleresourcenetwork.com. That's thetitleresourcenetwork.com. Support for programming of Catholic Women Now partially provided by the Des Moines Law Offices of Fred Haas. Over 30 years helping injured Iowans recover losses from accidents and work-related injuries. Fred, double D, Haas, double A, fredhaas.com. When it comes to insurance, all you need to remember is Robert Cota. He's your local Farm Bureau agent and your one agent for personal and business insurance. Robert Cota, 515-961-4555. Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Farm Bureau Property and Casualty Insurance Company. We're back with the Uncommon Good. I'm Bo Bonner with Dr. Bud Marr. Today on the show, we have our European correspondent, our good friend Jared Schumacher. Jared Schumacher is a PhD student in, uh, at the, in political theology at the School of Louvain in Belgium, where uh, Bud and I have had professors and stuff from there as well. We met one of uh, Jared's friends at a conference we were at over the week in Louvain, very famous and known for its theology. Jared is studying political theology, especially church-state relations, and especially the relationship of Catholic, of Catholic social teaching and secularization. Jared, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Wonderful. Uh, we were... Uh, I always think it's funny to think of a, a Texan trying to keep uh, up on sports over in Belgium. I'm sure they're not as concerned with the Houston Astros over there as you are. Oh no, they're two and zero. I'm paying attention. <laughs> I, I I think it's because you accidentally you know switched leagues and then actually got new uniforms, so that's nice. <laughs> well, we got out of the Cardinals division, so we actually have a chance now. Yeah, we we are uh, we're in Cubs land, so we're we're having a lot of fun with the Cards Cubs rivalry. It's already one one. <laughs> well, hey Jared. Um, one of the nice things about having friends all over the globe is when you talk to people here in Des Moines or wherever you're at in the United States, when you talk about secularization and what is the secular and all these things like this, definitively in America we have an idea about what we're up against and what that looks like. But in Europe there's a way in which a lot of what we're worried about has either already happened or happen in a in such a different way different that it puts way. a lot of perspective on what we're doing. So we're wondering if, with the intersection of what you're studying and what you see on the ground, you could sort mm-hmm. of fill us in uh, in the radio audience today. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, let me first be clear that I'm no expert in uh, Belgian matters of Belgian politics. Uh, I basically spend most of the days, as Bud might know from having gotten his own PhD. You, you sit in a hole in the library and do nothing but read books that are over 100 years old, mostly. So um, so I make no claim to being the expert on matters of Belgian politics, but I do have life experience here. My wife and I, uh, we lived for three years in Lithuania prior to our, our move to Belgium to, to get the PhD, and we've been here five or six years now, so almost a decade in Europe, and so lived in a variety of uh, contexts over here, and it really is a different uh, a, a different way of life. 
um, and you feel it on the ground the longer you're here, how uh, how different it is and what a contrast it holds to the uh, to the American situation. I should also point uh, out real quick to interrupt you that so yeah, all, sure. th- all three of us are converts. We were all at Duke Divinity <laughs> School. But the, the sort of different distinction of this is you correct me if I'm wrong. You co- you converted in Europe, right? That's correct. So like yes. your your when we talk about converts and what it's like to navigate that experience, added on top of all that, you're an American expat who converted <laughs> in Europe. So that also has to be an interesting uh, take on, on all of this. No, absolutely. Um, one of the things I can say with respect to convert the conversion experience. Um, so let me just give some numbers here to set up the Belgian situation so that uh, people can get a sense for what Catholicism is like uh, in Belgium. Just after the Vatican Council in in the 60s, in 1967, there was a a census done, and something like 94% of the population was Catholic, baptized, Um, and Sunday mass attendance was somewhere in the the mid-40s, 43% uh, uh, weekly attendance at mass. So the numbers were incredibly high. Um, you, you know, America was never that Catholic. Uh, right. So, um, so it, it's different to think about from that perspective of those numbers. And then, functionally, every decade there was a ten percent drop. And so now, as of two thousand nine, we're at five percent uh, daily Sunday mass, or sorry, weekly mass attendance, and the number somewhere around fifty percent um, baptized Catholics. So there's still a kind of cultural Catholicism. That continues to survive here, but um, but functionally on the ground, very very few people in in church, and of that five percent who attend, it's important for demographic reasons to understand that something like one percent of the five percent is under the age of twenty. So ninety nine percent of the five percent is uh, is uh, retirement or beyond age. So a lot of uh, it's an aging, you could say, dying Catholic um, Catholic population, and so um, so it's it it went from in the period of four decades from an intensely Catholic cultural uh, situation to now functionally a fully secular society, and it's difficult to imagine really the numbers going below what they currently are because it's it's functionally bottomed out. I, I had a professor in a class on faith and culture here who began by asking the Belgian students uh, who were there to raise their hand, and in a class of 30, there was something like two. And he said, you guys are statistically insignificant. You are the remainder that gets rounded off uh, because you're under the age of 20 and you uh, are studying theology and are Catholic. So it's a very different uh, setup and they have some severe um, problems uh, with the uh, with the conversion process because they don't have they just aren't experiencing large numbers of conversions so we had to to grind out by asking priest friends and p- friends in theology to guide us through the uh, RCIA uh, process because they just don't have materials here so so things in 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 um, in Belgium are are in a, in a in a very different place than they are in in America, and the resources for getting out uh, are are scarce. You're listening to the Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Bud Marr on Iowa Catholic Radio. Uh, Jared, thanks so much for that. Um, I, I know you said you don't leave your borough often, but when you do, uh, could you yeah. could you give our listeners a sense of maybe? how this process has affected the culture. And, and what I'm thinking of specifically is 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the birth rate in Belgium right now is like 1.79 births per woman, woman, right. excuse me. And uh, I know uh, movements like euthanasia and physician assisted suicide, those picked up early in Belgium and now, uh, mm-hmm. you know, now are wide, widespread. It seems like the secularization process has affected the Belgian culture in the sense that, I don't know, there's, it sounds like there's a certain weariness about life or, you know, a turning away from life once you lose that transcendent yeah. reference point. No, absolutely. Um, and, and you experience it in a very visceral way here. Um, as you said, euthanasia has been, um, been legal since 2002, abortion since uh, 1990, and uh, uh, homosexual marriage since 2003. So there's a, a, a big um, – here, secularization happened very, very quickly right at the end of the Vatican Council until today, whereas in America, it, it, it functionally had uh, secularism uh, build, building slowly uh, since more or less since its creation and the uh, and the way the Constitution was framed. And so here it was one of the last countries to secularize. The bishop was an incredibly powerful man in Belgium for a really long time and in many ways still has some vestigial power. Um, in, in a way that was never uh, possible in the United States. And so when secularism happened, it happened very, very quickly, and it happened very intensely. So uh, social theorists talk about two different types of secularism. There's more or less the American version and what's called the French laicite version. And uh, because Belgium is a bilingual country, half the country, the lower half, Wallonia, speaks French, and the upper half, uh, half is uh, Flanders, and they speak Flemish, which is a Dutch dialect, um, they they experienced the, the uh, French version because of the French influence uh, when they decided to secularize things. And so it became – of a, a militant uh, type of secularism. And the, the primary distinction between the American and the French version is that the French version uh, is explicitly anti-Catholic. The role of the state is to protect its citizens from religious interference by things like the Catholic Church. So it, it was uh, a, a very rabid form, and thus you had – Kind of whether it was intentional or not on the part of certain political parties, you had a kind of anti-Catholicism building cultural ground. And so therefore, things like euthanasia, abortion, gay marriage became uh, 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 things to fight over in the secular um, battleground. And and you went from uh, a country which sent more missionaries, you know, uh, at, at and around the Vatican Council around the world than almost all, all other countries, to a country that can't even sustain, um, you know, normal Sunday attendance very rapidly. And in large part, it was a result of the church's failure uh, to. Um, to, to, to do Vatican II and to make it known to people uh, in, in a way which held forth uh, the traditions of the church. So, Jared, uh, you know, one of the things sometimes I get when I'm talking or when we invite guests on is like, so your end game here, Bo, is just to depress people, right? That's, <laughs> um, but I think that it's important for us in, I mean, in the entire world, but in the United States even, to be precise about what we're up against, and mm. also learn lessons rather than hide from them. So for people who are listening here in the United States, they're going to maybe want to say, well, we're not Belgium, or like you, you yourself said, we're facing a different sort of secularism. 
But if we're going to talk about on the ground practicalities, when people hear this, which is just frankly stark and bleak things that you're telling us, what mm. do we take from that? I mean, beyond the, the fact that we need to get on our knees and pray about this, what else do we take? What's the, the takeaway for someone, so to speak, in the pews in the United States? Right. Well, one thing that makes America unique is that the kind of the individual initiative uh, impulse, culturally speaking. So you have this notion, you know, uh, from from the founding of America on that um, individual responsibility played an important role, whereas most of uh, Catholicism in Belgium had existed from time immemorial. And so when secularism happened, people just kind of gave in to the trend by not uh, creating forms of resistance to the kind of cultural creep of secularism. And in America, you have this kind of individual initiative that can be accessed um, to really build new and creative um, and profound ways of living the faith in uh, in concrete local situations. So, um, so I mean, philosophically speaking, from Hegel on, you have this kind of notion of history having this spirit that's just going to happen uh, on its own accord. Um, and in America, you had much more of the individual initiative focus. So one of the takeaways for for people in America looking at the secular um, situation in Belgium is to realize that it can be resisted by – I mean, prayer, as you said, as you said, um, but even at the local level, inviting friends to church, uh, I it, it is almost unthinkable for a Belgian to ask someone to attend who isn't Catholic to attend mass. Um, I, I once invited one of um, my Muslim friends uh, because, you know, Belgium has a, a fairly high percentage uh, and growing population of, of, of uh, Muslim, uh, people from Muslim countries. And I invited one to come to uh, Good Friday Mass with me, and it was shocking to, to her to, to th- see a Catholic in Belgium ask someone to attend Mass, and she couldn't stop talking about how strange that was to her. Um, but in America, I think there's much more a sense of openness and individual initiative that, that can be accessed to resist uh, at a local level, and then that gains momentum as it builds uh, through time. You're listening to The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Bud Marr. Uh, Jared, this is kind of related to Bo's last question. But I, I wonder, <clears throat> thinking about the church as a body, um, what what should our witness look like in these unique circumstances? I know, you know, as Catholics, we have these conversations like, do we fight for certain laws? Others are concerned that if we get too involved in politics, like we get it gets messy or we get uh, involved in things that sort of, um, right. can have a corrupting influence? Should the focus be evangelism or is it sort of like all of those things working together in a strategic way? Yeah, I, I, I think the last thing you said is is the right way to think about it structurally. Um, you know, Catholic social thought emphasizes the word integral, right, uh, quite frequently. The idea being that all aspects uh, fit together uh, uh, for the common good, um, uh, both in terms of how you think about the church's activity in society, but but also um, uh, one's individual daily life, uh, integrating everything into into a whole, and and so it, it's going to take efforts at every level, and people realizing, especially lay people, realizing that this isn't just um, you know people who are clergy. This isn't just their problem to fix. 
it's it's the part of every Catholic to figure out small ways of contributing to the common good at a local level. Um, so, uh, of course, it starts with prayer, as Bo said, but um, getting involved in uh, school boards, getting involved in um, in lay ed- education, getting involved in even just helping at mass. Um, one of one of the the sort of the bright spots in Belgium is actually the community that uh, I'm a part of. We're an international community, and it's absolutely fascinating because. We are functionally 25% African, 25% Asian, 25% European, and 25% sort of other spread around. An incredibly diverse community. And and one of the reasons that uh, people are attracted to our church is because we're we're offering – not uh you know a, um let's say a latin rite mass but just a good vatican II novus order mass and allowing uh sort of the traditions of the church to speak to people through the ages as it as they have through the ages and so it doesn't have to be some herculean effort to like elect the right presidential candidate or the right senator or 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 anything of that nature it can be something as humble as being faithful going to confession um, for for some people. And then, but there are, of course, people called to deal with those larger issues. And so the church has always been in in her social thought, very wise, in my opinion, to balance that uh, integrally. Well, Jared, uh, this has been a fascinating talk. And one of the things that I like is, you know, sometimes, and especially I think people who read deeply in these things, it's easy to sort of cast dispersion on yourself and say, oh, well, this is the problem with Americans. And certainly, like you said, that individualism can be a huge problem when it comes to religion. I think we've brought this up many times on our show. But what I like that you're pointing out is there's a way in which Christ maybe will redeem our sort of rowdiness and our sort of uh, (laughs) proclivity to uh, not take things sitting down. That can be very injurious to the religious impulse. But maybe in an appropriate time, in an appropriate place, God's like, well, I'm going to take this rowdy group of people who really doesn't follow rules the best because, funny as it works out, their sort of, uh, you know, vinegar in their blood makes them more likely to stand up and say, we're not going to take this setting down. So maybe if we can marshal that sort of American impulse, you know, rather than like, you know, getting drunk at a football game and instead of fighting secularism, that's exactly <laughs> what we need. <laughs> Right. Well, Jared, yeah, um, it's been great talking with you. Our time's already up. I feel like we could keep talking for another 30 minutes. But thank you for joining us from halfway around the world. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Jared. Thanks for having me. All right. Stick around, folks. We'll be back in a minute to finish up The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Bud Marr. Programming of Catholic Women Now partially provided by the Des Moines Law Offices of Fred Haas. Over 30 years helping injured Iowans recover losses from accidents and work-related injuries. Fred, double D, Haas, double A, fredhaas.com. Thank you, Farm Bureau agent Cindy Schulte, for underwriting Catholic Women Now. As an authorized independent agent, Cindy's team can provide health insurance options from Wellmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa. Cindy Schulte at 1315 50th Street in West Des Moines, or on the web at cindyschulte.com, 515-226-2111. Cindy and her team know health insurance. Wellmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa is an independent licensee of the Blue Cross Blue Shield Association. Products available at Farm Bureau Financial Services. Spring is here. Your backyard is a paradise just waiting to be nurtured. Thinking about improving your yard this year? Create your outdoor living retreat. From function to fun, Capital Landscaping at 515-244-2724, online at capitallandscaping.com. 
We are back with the Uncommon Good. Bo Bonner, Dr. Bud Marr. Thank you for joining us as we wrap up our show. Bud, today we're going to have unbrilliant questions. What's our unbrilliant question for today? Well, in that conversation with Jared, we were talking a lot about secularization. And I'm just curious, what is the secular? Yes, so um, if you praying in uh, Latin when we do the the glory be, you know, we do say secula secularum. So that word from Latin means the world and uh, the world of worlds, ages of ages, or even the age. So secular, what we mean by that, uh, its roots are in this idea of the world. And that shouldn't sound like a big deal until you remember that in Catholic moral teaching, what are the three main sources of temptations? But the world, the secular, the flesh and the devil. So one of the things is words sort of take on meanings deep within um, the West that sometimes that, that actually have the ghost of Catholicism behind them, even though never want, anyone thinks about it. So funny enough, when you hear the word secular, and it, presumably it means anti-religion, yeah. actually what it has in mind is the Catholic understanding of the world. Yeah. And before Christianity came around and made this idea of the world as opposed to everything else, no one had that idea. Romans, Greeks, the Chinese, all these ancient cultures, they didn't go around talking about the world. But funny enough, this entire group was like, yeah, you know that world that tempts us and, and is going to pass away and burn in fire? We're that. Now, it's funny. No one, when they talk about, when they brandish secularism as a positive thing, would never say that. No. What they largely mean is non-interference from religion or something like this. But it's funny that like they on purpose picked a negative term that has negative connotations that even sort of implies an absence i don't know am i being fair there because we used to talk about secular priests right or is that still a right. term that's thrown out so it's not inherently negative right but it operates in in our cultures today in this way that like we're going to push christianity outside of the public square so that it has no influence and as we've talked about before if that's what you want to do you know fine what what i think that we want to press back in this show and what all catholic social teaching really presses against is that's not a neutral stance secularism will sort of understand itself and talk about itself like it's this neutral position and then you know you religious freaks add things but as jared even started to point out and hopefully by talking about the word secular secularism is a theory of the world to believe in it is to not believe in something else and so secularism is a stance that in some ways is a negation that they've turned into a positive. I don't know if that helped out. Yeah, it can be discouraging. But when I was listening to Jared, I thought, you know, this is a unique time for Christians to live through. But it's also um, in some ways it's challenging in a good way. You know, like with the NCAA eternity that just happened, when teams go through the fire, you see like their true metal. And so it, it can be discouraging or in some ways even frightening. But as Catholics, we also have an opportunity in today's context to really put forth the faith and show people the life and hope that it provides. And one way that we honestly are offering, I know this sounds like a sales pitch, but one way we're honestly offering to put forth this sort of effort is um, something like Iowa Catholic Radio, where we are trying to use this as a ministry to reach out to the world and show that there's a different way. It can seem like we're a for-profit entity, um, you know, with John Lee and Eddie running around, but actually we're a non-profit entity, uh, and so we need your help. And maybe between the next two bills, if you can spare um, some money our way, Iowa Catholic Radio is always looking for help. And with our Carathon coming up, we really would love to um, hear from you guys uh, to help out. Um, and then... The rosary is coming up right after this. Um, also remember, uh, each day, this time of year, we've got the Bible in a year going on. So if you want to walk through sacred scripture, that's at 
Oh, I get this wrong. Five or five thirty. Five a.m. Five a.m. Right. Yes, five a.m. Okay. Deacon Tony is shaking his head, so we are correct. He's yes. the trustworthy one in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's been a wonderful show. Thank you for joining us, and may Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, reign in our hearts, in our families, in our cities, in our nation, in the entire world. Until next time, this is Bo Bonner with Bud Marr and the Uncommon Good. God bless. The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr is heard Wednesdays at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio and on the official Iowa Catholic Radio app.